Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chat from a Hat. I'm your host, Josh Brown, along with my co-host, Caleb Luther. Caleb, how are you, buddy? I'm doing better now that we finally got the show up and running. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! You're you're not. Yeah, show. It took us it took us almost an hour to get to get situated yeah. here with our new setup that we've got. But I I think it's I think it's pretty cool little setup we got here. Oh, we'll see. I guess <laughs> we might we might be listening to it and posting like what on earth happened? What ha- yeah. So what if, happened? So here? forgive us as we still continue to work the kinks out, and we're only five episodes in. But you know, the way I look at it is that we've only had four episodes before this episode. Mm-hmm. So and. We're we're constantly trying to better ourselves, and that includes yeah. bettering audio and bettering up bettering our setup. So it's, it's a learning curve. Yeah, so if it's it, a learning yeah, curve, if it seems weird for this week, hopefully it won't. Though hopefully it, it just is seamless, a seamless I, transition. I think it. I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to be fine. I think so too. So Caleb, how was your week? What did you get into? Uh, Other than not, our week break off that we had. Yeah, I mean, you know, not a whole lot. Just some work. Uh, today, I. I uh, you know, I got my my W two yesterday in the mail, so I figured today I was like, I'll go ahead and do this. So I just go ahead and get that, uh, collect that cash as soon as possible. And I was like, this is gonna be an easy thirty minutes in and out, and uh, it wasn't. <laughs> I, mm. I did it through TurboTax, which apparently I did not do it through TurboTax last year, because whenever it got to the point at the end, it was pretty easy up until the end. You did it with H and R Block last year. I don't think you? so. I don't know who I did it, but it oh, was well. it was easy last year too. But uh, I got to the point where I said, okay, well. Well, you know, well, let's 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 see some of your your tech stuff from last year. And I was like, I don't know where any of that stuff is. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have I don't have it. So I had to do this whole process through I, through the IRS online, and I, they, I had to like verify who I was like eight hundred times through like you like hold the phone up to you and it takes like a video selfie of you. Yeah, and like it's weird. Like it looks like super like technological whenever it's doing it. Yeah. I guess it's trying so to, to get like facial recognition yeah, software. And it, it did that and a bunch of other stuff and it finally got and I finally got my my tax information from last year. But it took it took me like 2 hours today. So that was just a headache. So I immediately just came over here to record the podcast after I got done. So that was my day. How how are you, how's you, how you, uh, you how have you been? It, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um worked. We're getting ready yeah. to have some uh some pulled pork this evening. That's going to be delicious. Um yeah. You know, not not bad. Not yeah. bad. Not yeah, bad. Not, not bad. But, um, Caleb, oh, I wanted to touch real quick on, uh, I, I'd sent it to you earlier, um, about, um, what did you send? About, uh, about Netflix and what's going on with Netflix and the that? password, I the password I sharing must, I must stuff. I must have not seen that, but I did see, I did see that, but I didn't see you yeah. send it to me. Uh, it, it, they're, buddy, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. They're just, I, I think they're, I think they're, uh, they're, they're, they're losing money maybe. And is now they're trying to, all I know is that I feel sorry for anybody who uses my Netflix I'm, I'm covered. I'm good. I'm good. I'm the, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to use Netflix. But anybody that's using my Netflix is screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yeah, because because you'll still be able to use it mine. because it'll be yeah. your 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 yeah, home your mine. home base or whatever yeah. they're calling it. And I don't it use now. it when I go out of town or anything like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah, it does suck though. That's right? the thing. It's like, but here's here's my thing. It's like if you have Netflix on your phone. And you have Netflix at your house if you're on vacation and everything. Yeah. And you want to watch something on your phone, or if you're on a plane and you've got something downloaded or something like that, it's not going to work. It's not yeah. going to work for them. That, that, that's how it seems now. That seems like the case now. Hopefully, they'll, they'll find a way to work around that. Well, the problem. I don't know. The problem is too is that they, there's two 
there's too many stream, streaming services now and alternatives for people to go to. Yeah. Netflix is not what it used to be. It's, it's not, not the juggernaut it's that it used to be. It's not the best. It's, it's it definitely might, not. It might be third or fourth best. If I'm it, being honest it may not you. even be third or fourth best. I, I'm thinking with fourth. I think HBO, HBO Max is just like, despite the troubles that they've had, they are still far and away just like the best because they yeah. have all of the HBO shows. Sure. And then Hulu. Uh, those two Hulu, are probably the best. Uh, Peacock is good too. Peacock's I mean, okay, but yeah. Peacock and Paramount, yeah. they're 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 they're, they're, getting they're catching there. up. They're catching and then up. you also have Disney Plus, YouTube. I mean, I YouTube's mean, you, always going to be the. Yeah, I mean, it's YouTube, you know. But I'm just saying though, you can still you can stream a lot of things that are on. You can watch full episodes of things on on YouTube yeah. for free. Maybe not great things. Man, yeah, but things, but stuff. <laughs> and if you want to watch podcasts and stuff like video podcasts, that's where you go. Is on YouTube. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so Caleb, last well, two weeks ago, our last episode, our last episode, we talked about our TV show drafts, and we have we, that. we have the results of that poll, yeah, and it is polarizing. It's let's put it that way, <laughs> expectedly so, yeah, expectedly. Kind of, yeah. So, so in order to to kind of better talk about how we came to the results of the polls, and I put quotations around polls, yeah. We did two separate polls. We did one on TikTok and we did one on Facebook. Yeah, I blew Caleb away on the Facebook poll. Yeah, you beat by like nineteen or by not by nineteen or twenty. It wasn't it wasn't a huge margin, but or something like thirty held fourteen or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't a huge margin, but it was enough. I never I never thought I was going to win Facebook. I knew that when I did the draft. It's just it's just I mean I hate to say it's just West Virginia people. It just is. But it's my friend. It's basically just my friends list on Facebook. So I'm like. They are not going to be cool with my traffic. They're just not. It's okay. But then you went on to TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. And I got destroyed. It's a little bit more diverse. People that I don't know at all. Uh, yeah, I won one. But people that are catered to your the, particular see. I, see, I've heard you say that over the past week, and I'm not completely sure because I was like, I was like, I was like looking at some of those people, and I was like, I, some of the people do follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I won one twenty one to forty one on on TikTok. Uh, so an overwhelmingly large margin on yeah, both of them. Whenever you say catered towards my TikTok, I have specifically made my TikTok catered towards people who are obsessed with the leftovers, and you picked the leftovers. Uh, well, that just still... goes to show maybe maybe TikTok people weren't just voting for two shows. Like, uh, like let's mm, just say the mm. Facebook West Virginians were, regardless, two drastically different uh, demographics of voters. Uh, you you I think you 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 drafted. To uh, to win that Facebook poll, and you did definitely not even close. I wasn't sure However, about TikTok. I wasn't completely <laughs> sure about TikTok because uh, I thought maybe it would get like ten or twenty votes. I was like, well, I might win if that's the case. But then it, the votes just kept coming that's in. That's why like, you need to constantly put things like, from our podcast like, on your am, TikTok. I was like, I am running away with this. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, two drastically different polls, but it shows that. The different sides of people, I think. Well, and what what were some of the comments on on TikTok about about me? Because I know I know it was well the TikTok. I know there were mostly derogatory find, towards you're me. You're not going to find the brightest folks in the TikTok comments, but uh, one of them was a uh, no Seinfeld or Curb double L's. <laughs> so you got oh we got the double L's. <laughs> so you got Ooh. the L's and the W's in the uh, TikTok language. The one was a uh, gotta go, Caleb. Even though Breaking Bad is my favorite, you picked Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but but with mm-hmm. me, the only good show on Josh's list is The Leftovers in the Office. <laughs> Which I was like, it's like you pick Breaking Bad. I right? disagree. W for leftovers, so I guess they voted. Sure, for you. sure. Then right. this was a good one because I totally agree with this one. I believe I even said it whenever we did the draft. Arrested Development as fifteenth round pick is a steal, and I was like, I agree, and I got. It. I would agree with that. Pick. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, let me find uh, Caleb's list is basically my exact top fifteen. That was cool. It's my 
That's my, that's a good my, that's a cool comment. My fifteen are not my top fifteen, but no. but I do really like all those shows. Yeah, so. sure. That's you wouldn't have drafted them if you didn't like. There were some. There was you know a couple dumb comments, but for the most part, just typical standard like surface level comments you get on TikTok. So. Okay, okay. So over on 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 the book of face yes. on, on Facebook, we had we had a few people. Um, Adam Ditterbrand uh, Brand said, "How did the Simpsons not make anyone's list?" Uh, and what did I say? Um, <laughs> you said I personally only voted for dot 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 because I took a screenshot yeah. of it. So, um, yeah. Adam, because we don't watch the Simpsons. I only I only voted for it. stuff that I had seen all of, or at least like ninety percent of. There's so much of the Simpsons. I'm not a good judge of character on if the Simpsons quality wise is still like up to, up to par with these other shows. Sure. So, I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't going to vote for it. I mean, I wasn't um, going to pick it. So, um, also, uh, Shauna, Shana Nelson mm-hmm. said, um, I adore Breaking Bad in the office, but I got to give my vote to Caleb for Bojack and Arrested Development. Arrested was way ahead of its time and so very underrated. And I'll agree with that. I'll yeah. agree with that. that we, was, we both, we both like Arrested Development. one of the few people well. that voted for me <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> well, uh, our, our friend Jim said, I love Josh's Nip Tuck inclusion, but I'm a diehard Wire fan, so I got to give Caleb the nod. I'm going to throw a Mad Men or You're the Worst. Uh, mm-hmm. Season watch in the hat while you're at it. Yep. Um, Ginger said, "I can't vote for either one of you because you because both left the most well written show off of your list and then didn't bother to tell us what show it she was, was talking about." It was 100 percent the West the West, the West Wing. Wing. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, Which I that's not, one of her favorite shows. I have not seen the West Wing. So, um, so you know, and uh, Erica Kitchen said, "Tossing my vote into the void for Caleb solely because of Barry's inclusion." Um, and then this person named Caleb Luther wrote, "Admittedly, I voted with my heart." <laughs> More than thinking about what the general public likes, I'll accept this turnout. And he did. And he yeah. lost. And, um, and I, but I wasn't big on TikTok. I felt, <laughs> I felt pretty... Here's the thing. Here's... Despite, you know, me winning on TikTok, I, it's hard for me to be completely upset about that Facebook vote. But I will say that through years of, of, of online polls and stuff like that, telling people, hey, The Sopranos and The Wire are the two greatest shows of all time, I still think there's a, a lot of people in my friends, my friends group who just... Have not seen The Sopranos or definitely not The Wire. Oh, I agree. And uh, I agree. That needs to change. It needs to change because consistently those two are up there in like the top mm-hmm. three, top five mm-hmm. shows of all time. So that's just my my two cents. People need to people need to put watch those the way they watch Breaking Bad. Need to get on board. Get on that's it. What they need watch to do. It. And the leftovers. Obviously the leftovers too, which is my favorite show. So. Oh yeah, the leftovers is fantastic. Watch. Don't the watch leftovers. it if you don't watch it if you're depressed. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I won't argue. I won't argue that. Right. What's next? I, I, we had to get our topics over here because I, I put them in the floor. Um, where are we? Where are we? Well, we're at home in uh, in my home uh, recording this podcast. Um, technically, we've pretty much got everything so far as far as looking back. So let's move forward. The, the Oscars, uh, the Oscars uh, nominees came out. I don't have much to say. I probably would have had more to say last week, but I'm just like, eh. Did, it is what it is. They did a good job. They they really screwed the pooch on like cinematography, but everything else, I'm like, oh, yeah, good. I'm not I'm not not mad. Not mad about it. <laughs> not mad about it. For the first time, folks, he is not mad about the Oscar choice. That's not true. There's been a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> well, Caleb, this week we decided to do '80s albums. Now, mm-hmm. when we talked about doing this before, we didn't necessarily have a set ratio set or, or set rules. But on the way home to take you home that evening, we decided to have these set rules in place. So it made it, it made it more difficult in a fun it, way. It, it did make it very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rules are that we can only have one album per band mm-hmm. per year. 
So what that means is, is that I can't have five Kiss records, or I can't have five, you know, uh, Peter Gabriel records, or five, you know, it has to be one artist, one album for each individual year. Yes, yeah, so and you'll and you'll understand that when we start getting you can't have multiple albums from 1983, just right. one. So it's right. from 80 to 89, one album from each yep. year. So so strappy, and we got ten re- or like we got twenty albums to go through. I do. I've been listening to these albums like I told you before. Uh, Prepping for this episode, I believe, may, is making my Spotify rap extremely cool for for, for this I, upcoming I mean, year. I mean, I understand that. Yeah. But, um, now, did you go for, have you went for records that, or albums that you, like, you love and listen to, or the albums that you think are legitimately the best of that year? You know, it's weird. Uh, some of these are some of my favorites, but some of them are, are pretty new to me. I'd say... Okay. I'd say even... Okay. Because having to make that adjustment, because... Mm-hmm. Some of these albums by some of these bands aren't my favorite albums from that band. Sure, but the fact I agree. that we had to I pick agree. one album from each year, some other years I'd be like, "Well, I want to, I want to choose this album with our rules." That we're yeah. In pl- yes. So, so for some other years, I was like, "What am I going to choose for this year?" Exactly. There's nothing there. Exactly. So I'd say some of these I would consider the best, uh, the actual best. But for the most part, I was just, tr- I was just trying to make my list as diverse as, as possible. Sure. And not make it sure. just like a, a one trick pony when it comes to the genre. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I have a little bit of everything on here, honestly, which is kind of cool. When I was when I was sitting and doing this list, um, 1985 was the hardest year to come up with something, and then I realized an album that I listened to in uh, early years of college that you'll you will know what I'm talking about when when I say it. Mm-hmm. But um, do you want to go first? I'll go first. So 1980. You know, right so. off the bat, 1980 was tough. Because one of my was fa- not for me. One I of knew my it favorite. One of my favorite. Uh, oh my gosh! When, when I think about an, an artist like like Kate Bush, uh, I'm like, well, if almost every year in the '80s I could have picked a Kate Bush album, and one of my favorite Kate Bush albums came out in 1980. But I was like, that's not the one I want to choose, though. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to choose an artist, which just was this was their only album from the '80s, so I wanted to represent them, and this was the only way. And you know what? I just so happened to love this album. That is, uh, Gau- Gaucho by Steely Dan. It was their their okay. final album. Like it was it wasn't their final album because they did come back and make an album in like the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. But you know, for twenty some years, it was their last album, and uh, it's it, it, it's it's uh, carrying off of that like a- Asia spirit from the late seventies, which is considered their strongest album. But I'd say that that Gaucho is a little bit more. It's a little. I know people already consider Silly Day in this, but a little bit more yacht ro- yacht rock. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit more relaxed, but still a lot of jazz rock, jazz sure. influence. Uh, it has a few of their their biggest songs, like "Hey 19, which I think was one of the first Steely Dan songs I ever got into. Which coincidentally, I got into it when I was around nineteen, and I was obsessed with that song. So, not a problem picking this album at all. Like, I, it it was a joy for me to 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 embrace this album again. It's been a while since I've sit down and listened to this album from beginning to end, and uh, songs like that and Babylon Sisters. And uh, obviously the title track, Gaucho. And uh, there's also a weird song that I never really gave that much of a chance to called mm-hmm. Glamour Profession. And this happens in Silly Dan songs a lot where the instrumental will just be so like, so like menacing and kind of dark. But then the song, sure. and then the song actually gets going. It's really like happy and go lucky. They can just change that in like the, the, the drop of a dime. And uh, yeah, I, I had, a, I had a really fun time listening to this one. Not my personal favorite Steely Dan mm-hmm. album, but I think it's, it's a great album, and a, it's a good one to start this list off with, I believe. Well, and we and we forgot to mention, too, that we're going to give, like, three to four tracks of people to check out if they haven't oh, yeah. got oh, yeah. to... Check, uh, obviously, Babylon Sisters and Hey 19 are, like, the two 
like big songs. But mm-hmm. Glamour Profession is probably one that a, pe- a lot of people won't recognize Bastille Dan, and I, I it, it has a really cool instrumental mm-hmm. in that one. Even though it has vocals, the instrumental is like it's it's dark until it's not. <laughs> that's that's kind of Steely Dan in a nutshell. So. Well, this was, my 1980 record was the record that when we talked about doing this, I figured that you would guess right off the bat that I would put in here. And that's Remaining Light by the Talking Heads. Okay, yeah. I figured, I, I figured you was going to put that one on I there. absolutely yeah. love every single song on this record. Mm-hmm. Um, Born Under Punches, the very opening song when the drums kick in and, and David Byrne just lets out this screech. And it turns into just chaos. It's mm-hmm. new wave, world music, uh, just chaos and it it sounds like something that shouldn't work but with what they have it works yeah um let's see um it's sonically it's awesome it's just the way that that the the it goes they really work hard on having a stereo mix yeah and i love albums that do that that Mm -hmm. that you that you literally can take an earbud out and not hear anything like a lot Uh, of beatles albums right exactly um but uh Tina's bass on this album is stupid good. Like, it is just, she's all over the place. She keeps the groove so much in, especially like uh, uh, Once in a Lifetime, Houses in Motion, uh, Born Under Punches. I mean, for me, though, those those three songs are the standout songs on, on that. Would a you, lot of people would say Cross-Eyed and Painless, too, but I, I, I would say Born Under Punches, Once in a Lifetime. And houses in motion. Would you say "Once in a Lifetime" is the biggest song on the album? Oh yeah, well, it's, it's the probably big, about their biggest it's song. Probably, it's probably like, obviously, obviously, "Psycho Killer" gets played yeah. a lot. But uh, would you that cons- burning down the house? And, would you and consider that song? this their best album? A lot of people do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. completely. I, it's it's to me, it's a toss up between if we're talking the best album. It was really hard for me. It's my personal favorite album, but it's a toss up between this one and um, um, oh god. I lost the the next album, the next record. Yeah, uh, speaking in tongues. Yeah, um, it's a toss up. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really hard to pick. But for me, just from a musician standpoint, and stuff yeah, too. Yeah. That that album feels more cohesive compared yeah. to speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues feels a little more, a little more um, commercial. Yeah, without being commercial. Um, but remaining light as commercial by, as talking heads can. Right. Probably well, hear. I mean, when you get to yeah. Well, we could do a whole a whole episode on Talking Heads, but um, yeah. So that's my 1980 record. It's also also cool and fun to mention that David Byrne, uh, Oscar nominated uh, singer, because he got nominated for a song from Everything Ever All at Once with a couple different artists. Mm-hmm. The song got nominated a couple weeks ago, and that was pretty cool. Also, so pretty sure like he he's almost uh, he's almost got the ego. I think. I think does he does he have one does he have a Tony Award? Listen, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I have no clue. Okay, moving on to 1981. Uh, 81 was a, a difficult year for me. I was not born yet. <laughs> oh my! No, but, uh, Jesus. but 81 is this was actually probably one of my least favorite albums on here. But but I'm still glad I get to talk about it because I, I was pretty obsessed with this album in my late teens. Whenever you go through that that classic rock phase, you're like. Classic rock is way better than modern music, and to some extent, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But I was really into this album because my, my dad was, and there's some bangers on this album. That is uh, Blue Oyster Cult's Fire of Unknown Origin. And I believe it's actually my favorite Blue Oyster Cult album. Okay. And it, whenever you look at an, a modern band like Ghost, mm-hmm. you think about like their sound and what influenced it. I think there's a, 
a lot of stuff on this album in particular because mm-hmm. this album really brings in a lot of the organ elements that you you'd hear in some of the uh, some of Ghost stuff, and uh, obviously it has it has like Burning for You. Mm-hmm. Burning for You is one of the biggest songs. Sure, uh, has a Veteran of, of Psychic Wars, which uh, I love that song. Which I mean, Metallica I love covered, that song. It's it is a it is a great song, and they have a song like Joan Crawford, which is a uh, very dark as well. Um, I think this was probably one of their more commercial albums uh, well it's probably their it's probably their biggest but I'm album you, when it comes still, to it's still it still rules it's still it's very good uh well that's the thing it's the, people want to talk about how commercial is not artistically or not great at times but there are oh, plenty of bands that have commercial albums that are just as good as anything that they did before oh yeah this is a uh, i mean obviously the, the hits are are great but i mean like the 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 uh, closing track uh, don't turn your back i've just always that song haunts me in in a, in, in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not like it's a it's a particular particularly dark song like mm-hmm. some other songs. It's just a really nice song. It has like a little bit of a sorrowful edge to it, but also mm-hmm. has like a really killer guitar solo. One of their one of their best guitar solos, and that's saying something because they have some some amazing guitar solos. Sure, I like sure. the album, but I I definitely liked it more when I was around eighteen mm-hmm. or nineteen. And, uh, yeah, you were you were pretty big into Blue Oyster Cult. I was, before. especially this album. Yeah. This was the this was yeah. the album, and uh, yeah, I've, they they shaped some of my uh, guitar playing like lick styles mm-hmm. there, but not not so much anymore. But at the time, yeah, that's all I have to say about, it. and that's all I have to say about that. Oh my god, it's like Forrest Gump. So, uh, so 1981 for me was um, it was a. I wouldn't say it was hard, but I, I kind of had a general idea. Again, it was another toss-up between two albums of what I wanted to put on here. Uh, but I went with Ghost in the Machine by The Police. Okay, um, It's reggae rock, pretty much. Um, again, another album where Sting is venturing into world music. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of horns, a lot of synthesizers. Uh, I was like researching the record and stuff, and did you know that it only took them four weeks to record I mean, Ghost in the Machine, the you, whole record. I mean, when in you know, four weeks. when you know what, when you know what you're doing, and you know what you want, yeah, and you're, yeah, and you're working consistently, yeah, I, that seems plausible. So. Yeah, so it took them four weeks to record that record and have it done, completed, and out. That's insane. Like, is you think today, a big, especially a big album like that from yeah. a big band like that? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the Police too. Is like they had an album out every single year for five years, mm-hmm. except for. I mean, 82 kind of had synchronicity, kind of close between 82 and 83, but they had an album out every year for five years. Bands don't do that anymore. Like, a band is lucky to get an album out every five years, five, six years. Yeah. It's I'm just, always, it, it's, it's, it's insane to me. I'm always up for that one album per year kind of band. Yeah. Like, so this this album has like a... Every, every little, every little thing, thing she do. does is magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's got in, uh, my tracks talking about uh, Demolition Man, uh, One World Not Three, and Invisible Sun. That's the three tracks that they're not. I mean, they're kind of dark lyrically, mm-hmm. um, and but they're pop. They're almost pop songs, mm-hmm. um, and but they're very. They're like I said, lyrically they're super super dark. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only problem that I have with the record um, is they cut the song that's probably one of the best songs on it. It's called I Burn For You, and that was on the Police box set years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was recorded at the same time, uh, but they cut the song, and it's like I think it's one of their best broody, melodic songs, But so check that one out, too. But uh, Ghost in the Machine, The Ghost Police, the Machine. 1981. The Police. The Police. Moving on 
1982. Uh, I can't remember what was what all I had up against this album, but uh, I feel like this was the one. This was the album that I had to choose. It's it's, uh, it's been my destiny for my whole life is to choose this album <laughs> to talk about it. And I'm going going to Kate, to Kate Bush, and that is her album, The Dreaming. Uh, if you are wanting to get into Kate Bush, this is not the album to start with. <laughs> I'd say I'd say it's like it's like the fifth. It's, it's like the fifth album to start with. Whenever I got into Kate Bush around 2017, mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw this album. I was like, Nah, no thanks. I'm gonna try some of her more accessible stuff. Which it's not like any of her stuff is that accessible. Mm-hmm. But the dreaming, especially, like there was a drastic change between her 1980 album, Never Forever, and the dreaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just way more avant-garde pop experimental uh sure almost pr- progressive rock at times but uh, let's say progressive pop is what it is uh very strange recording mm-hmm. techniques and production because this was i believe this was maybe her first album where she was a a co-producer mm-hmm. on herself and uh lots of weird drum choices and and uh stereo effect choices but i love this album in like now that i've had five years it only honestly it only took me about five months to really get into this album mm-hmm. but uh whenever i did i i i took off with it because it's 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 great there's no songs on here that that people who would recognize kate bush songs will mm-hmm. recognize there's just no big like mm-hmm. singles it's just it's just not that kind of album um it's uh kind of scary it's like it carries over because their next few albums had like some scary dark choices that's mm-hmm. just that's just kate bush in a nutshell but in in the the mid to to late '80s, she really dived into that and dived into that '80s sound that maybe for some people won't hold up as well, mm-hmm. but for me, it's a uh, it's it, it's very it's a very exciting and and sorrowful and like I said, kind of scary album. Uh, the opening track set set in your lap starts with like this drum beat. It's like bump it, bump it, bump it, bump bump it. It just kind of goes mm-hmm. the whole song. I'm not even sure if like the drums in this on this album are actually like physically played. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't tell if they're like drum machines or, yeah. what, but whatever it is, it sounds great. And I believe this was around the time that whoever was playing bass for Kate Bush, it might have been the album before this, but they were they started playing a fretless bass, and that really, oh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. really hear that on the album. Um, there's some like like I said, there's some choices on this album, <laughs> like the, the title track, "The Dreaming," is like some like like she does like an Australian accent on it, like it's almost like a concept album because some because you know she is she's British. Mm-hmm. But she'll do like different styles of British accents. So like I think for like the theater community, this is like their their this is their sure. big album. Sure. And and Big Boy from Outcast, uh, you, you know the the yeah. rap group Outcast. Yeah. This is he he cited this as one of his favorite albums of all time. And uh, wow. Yeah, I, I just think people that are really into more of like artistic elements of mm-hmm. theater and music, this is the one. Um, it has one of my favorite songs by her, Night of the Shallow, which has like this uh. What's the what's the instrument the uh, bagpipe? It has like a bagpipe mm-hmm. in it, and it's just it's it's whenever it gets to that bagpipe, the song just like takes off. Uh, <laughs> I I, I, lo- I love this album. I go I go back and forth between this and a couple other Kate Bush albums as my favorite. I can never like I can never really pick, mm-hmm. but uh, the, as far as Kate Bush in the eighties, this is this is the one and easily my not my nineteen eighty two pick. Sure, sure. Uh, so my nineteen eighty two pick is Tug of War by Paul McCartney. Uh, the first record after John Lennon's death mm-hmm. in 1980. Um, it's a very stripped back to basics record for uh, for Paul. 
It's very, uh, it's got a lot of horns. It's got a lot of uh, just acoustic guitars, but it also has a lot of electronic stuff on it too. So it's kind of a mix of all of it. And it's got uh, Stevie Wonder's on it. Oh, cool. Uh, he's on two tracks. Um, uh, what's funny is that the fact that a lot of people call it like the last Wings record too, because Denny Lane, who was in Wings, plays on it. Mm -hmm. And so does Linda play a lot of stuff on it. But also uh, Ringo plays on the album as well. So it's kind of like a bridge between the Beatles, Wings, and solo stuff. Um, I... There's not a there's there's like two or three like link tracks on them uh, that that are just throwaways, but the actual like meat and potatoes of the record is fantastic. Um, Take it away, uh, tug of war and wanderlust is the three songs. If anybody's going to listen to this record, um, to check out, mm -hmm. absolutely awesome songs. Awesome songs. So Michael Jackson isn't on this one, is he? No, Michael's on Pipes of Peace, which is the sister album to this one. So that has a Say uh, Say Say. Yes. On it. Okay. And that yeah. came out in '84, I believe. Okay, so that was the okay. Yeah, so that was the next record because right. Tug of War, Pipe, Pipes of Peace is the brother sister records. Just cool. Sweet. Eighty three. Eighty three. Uh, I was man, I was hoping we was gonna we was gonna we was gonna pick the same album for eighty <laughs> three. I don't think now. I don't think we are going to pick the same album for any year now. Oh no, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt I it. Highly now. doubt because this was the only one. I was like, maybe we picked the same album because I, I kind of went out of my way to pick this one because I okay. had an, I had I originally had an REM album here. I say we could probably talk about it anyway. If you know, you might have more to say about this album than I do, but but I, I recently picked REM's debut. Sure, I was like, you know what? People expect that from me, and whenever we get to the '90s, I'm definitely going to talk about REM, but. As far as the '80s, I want to pick. I want to expand my horizon and get into mm -hmm. this other album, which I've listened to a bunch of times before, but never really dug deep into it. And I and I spent the last two weeks like listening to this album, mm -hmm. and it is great. Like, and it, I think it has some of their best songs. And that is Synchronicity. By the oh police. wow! Okay, yeah, the Police. Uh, Here's here. So we have two Police albums on here. So. Just <laughs> just for the record, okay. Here's why I because Synchronicity was on here. Yeah, you until knew I, was I got to my '83 album. But but here's the thing. I was debating between Ghost in the Machine and Synchronicity. Here's to me, yeah. Ghost in the Machine doesn't have a single skip. Those two songs, Miss Gradenko and Mother, on I'll go ahead and tell you on the you on know, Synchronicity. You know one of my songs I have listed on here. Oh my god, I have Miss Gradenko. Jesus, you Christ know what? There god. are some weird songs on this. There album. is. There is. Compared to the the singles, mm -hmm. like, there are some weird songs. There is. And Miss Gradenko is one of those songs that's like a little bit under two minutes. Yeah. But it, it's so bizarre that I, I love it. It reminds me of like I hear that I hear that and I'm like, oh, this is why the Pixies became a band listen, because the songs like listen, this. Probably. I absolutely love Miss Gordinko. Okay, Ms. I Gordinko, love that it has song. Some crazy instrumentation it in it. It does, but yeah, but I can't pick those over. I see. I understand that, but I guess Synchronicity is a little bit more of just my my tempo. Not to get all whiplash on you, mm -hmm. but uh, but what's that other weird song? Uh, Mother, or mother. Something? Oh God! That, now yeah, that, that is now weird. That, that, now that, now that, was, that was a little too weird. Yeah. So I did skip. And that the one. problem is, is that they're stuck right in the middle of the album between, um, oh gosh, uh, walking in your footsteps, and I believe yeah. uh, wrapped around your fingers, right around that, Maybe, or every yeah. breath you take, every yeah. breath you take. See, I'm not, I'm not big on walking, walking in your footsteps. I'm not but, either. But Synchronicity One and Synchronicity Two are oh are are amazing, yeah. and you know what? I know it's overplayed. But you know what? It's still a really great song. Every every breath you oh, take yeah. is great. Yep. Uh, and King of Pain, I have like yeah. I have nostalgia yep. for King of Pain through Weird Al. Yeah. 
because he had King of Suede that came out in the 80s. So, like, at the time, I didn't even know, what, what is King of Pain? I don't know what that is. Then I got yeah. into it. I was like, this is a great song. It's a great song. So, so Weird Al sort of like that gateway yep. for to get into, and uh, what's the last, Murder by Numbers? Murder by Numbers. It's great. Uh, oh, my gosh. Teen in the Sahara. And, I don't like, uh, I really like that one. Oh, I love that song, dude. And maybe it's kind of like a dragger. And I, I, I love that song. But Murder by Numbers is super, like, jazzy. Yeah. and Wrapped and, around your fingers. Good so, is Murder by Numbers, like, technically their, their final song? Like other than like maybe like live recordings. Oh God! Synchronicity um, is their last I studio think, album. I right? think there's one more song. I think they redid "Don't Stand Too Close to Me" that in '86. That but, does not count. Um, we don't count. I can't. That. I, it's murder by. We're going with murder by numbers because sure, it's a good sure. one. It's a good one to end on. So that, yeah, I like. I really yeah. It, like I, there was just so many elements that I'd forgotten about on this album. Yeah, and, it's uh, a really great album. I'm glad that I got to revisit it for the the past uh, few weeks. So. When sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own. <laughs> Commercially and artistically. Because my 1983 album is Sports by Hugh Lewis and the News. God. I love this record, dude. Let's, let's see Paul Allen's album. Let's mm. see what he chooses. We'll put the sound clip of that in there. Um, so when you think pop music in the 80s, in the early 80s, you can't do like you can't help but think of Hugh Lewis and the News. Yeah, they right. were they were the band. In, in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, an album of pop, rock, harmonies, doo-wop. It's, I mean, it's everything. It, I, I really do love this album. It's another album, again, I don't think has a single skip on it. The, the only song that really is not, that doesn't feel like a Huey Lewis and the new song is Honky Tonk Blues, which is a cover by Hank Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at the end of the record, so you can forgive that. Um, but it's got like some of their biggest hits on it. Uh, Heart of Rock and Roll, I Want a New Drug, Heart and Soul, Bad is Bad. It's literally a greatest hits record. Well, Walking on a Thin Line is on that album too. It, when you think of Hugh Lewis in the News, you think of this one and four. And without question, it is a greatest hits album because every single song on the record that was released as a single was like a top 20 hit. Mm-hmm. They were untouchable in 83 to 86. Love that album. I'm, Hugh, I'm Huey Lewis illiterate for the most part. I know some of those songs that you mentioned. That's okay. But I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know them that well. I well, they're definitely. He's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, he's worth. He's worth murdering over. Apparently. Apparently so. <laughs> we're we're making American Psycho references here. Obviously. Where are we? Now? Which, if you haven't seen, go watch. We're oh, at eighty-four. Eighty-four. Oh, another. This was another one that I kind of like scooped in, which is crazy because you know what? If I'm, if I'm being totally honest. My actual favorite album in 1984 is, is Let It Be by The Replacements. But uh, in order for to make this whole decade thing work, I, I had to choose. I couldn't choose it. Exactly. I, had to do I know that different. was so, it's so hard. So I, choose another, so hard. I choose another album by an artist that I just recently got into over the last like year or so. XTC. And I, you know what? No. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. No. But, uh, and I've been saying this artist's name wrong. <laughs> like maybe just quietly. Cause I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever talked about it, this artist out loud, but, uh, uh, Sade. Sade. Yeah. Sade. Yeah. Spelled like Sade, but yeah. pronounced Sade. Yes. Uh, debut album, Diamond Life. Uh, I've I never heard a single song. You know what? Amazing. Like, oh, I've su- heard good things. Oh, gosh, yeah. But I've never heard a single yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, so, super smooth. Like her, the, uh, <laughs> somebody's making some noise out here. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the opening track Smooth Operator. Yes. I mean, it's in the title. Okay, maybe I have heard it. Is, yes. It is Smooth, smooth Operator. Is that, is that oh it? Is that the song? 
Smooth operator or whatever, yeah, something like that. Smooth operator. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have. So I have. So heard. there's some really like, like musically. So we musically, apolog- we apologize for the singing. Musically, Sorry. this album is is incredible. Obviously, that lends to the production. Obviously, like mm-hmm. just a, a blissful listen to it with these kind of good headphones on that I sure. have on right now. Uh, and the second track, your your love is king, is like one of the best songs mm-hmm. ever. Um, uh, I'm still not. Like, I don't have, I, I'm not as like uh, nuanced in the way of Sade as I would like to be. Still, mm-hmm. I'm I've still really only gotten into her first like couple albums. Uh, sure, but uh, this debut album it has to be it has to be one of the best and most uh, dare I say groundbreaking debut albums from any artist ever. Because this sent, whenever you listen to this album, it sounds like a seasoned artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like someone who's been at the game for ten plus years or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm glad that. This is the album that I went with for 84 because uh, I think that this is going to help me get into uh, a lot of her other stuff and mm-hmm. uh, other than her first couple albums because it just has like that really smooth jazz with, with also some some nice R&B and also maybe some like some experimentation here and there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's pretty it's a pretty daring album but still I I'll, I'll recommend it to basically anyone. Very very easy to listen to. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Caleb, so my 1984 record is a record that really doesn't need anything said about it. It's Purple Rain by Prince. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Let's not say anything about it. Let's just kidding. <laughs> I mean... Continue. It, 1984, Prince could do no wrong. He was at his peak, popularity-wise, artistic-wise, arguably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what else... What needs to be said about Purple Rain? I mean, this the album. Every single song was a hit. It was one of the first records that had the majority of the songs be released as singles, and they all charted. It's a classic. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Listen to the record. I mean, I didn't, don't pick three tracks. Just listen to the record. Yeah. From start to finish. And then watch the movie. And then watch the movie. Movie's not bad. Sure. Movie's not bad. Okay. <laughs> you not seen the movie, have you? No, I haven't. Oh seen the my movie. god, okay. well, Jesus. I'm not, I'm, I still haven't. Like fully dived onto the Prince train yet, even though he's he's amazing. Get on board, bud. Sorry, get on maybe, board. Maybe one of these days. Nah, maybe. Okay, doubt it. On to my eighty-five, eighty-five. Which you you said eighty-five was a tough one for you, uh, but eighty-five for me, uh, easy one for me. It's songs from the big chair by Tears for Fears. I do it. I Obviously. called it. It's got to be that, right? It's got to be that. It's got to be that for you. It, it has to be, be that. Or the hurting from eighty-three, but no song from the big chair. Uh, Incredible, incredible mm-hmm. album. Um, I mean, this this is another one. I mean, there's only like nine songs on it or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, while these songs, while not all these songs are big hits and big singles, they certainly could have been. Mm-hmm. But they, 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 you know, they didn't want to. They didn't want to show off too much. You know, <laughs> <laughs> obviously well, that's that's technically their biggest record. Songs like right. "Shout," uh, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World," "Get yep. Over Heels." I mean, gosh, these are big yep. songs. But my favorite yep. song from the album is "The Working Hour," which is the second song, which mm-hmm. is. Slow building, leading into this amazing lead saxophone. Mm-hmm. It's just it is a perfect song. It's it's one of many perfect songs. Uh, a song like Mother's Talk, which uh, piggybacking off of like that Kate Bush comic from earlier, totally mm-hmm. progressive pop. Mm-hmm. Like this album at times is almost a progressive rock album, but in an, in a new wave fashion. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to rule the world. I mean, gosh, I don't care how many times you hear it. It's great. Yeah. Head over yeah. heels, same way. I wore that song out after watching Donnie Darko, just like everybody else. But re-listening to it, I'm like, this is an amazing pop song. Yeah. Love this album. Uh, it's the only album on here that I own on vinyl. And yeah. uh, 
great. Love it. The thing is about about the hits of those, and I say hits loosely because, like you said, any of the songs on that, if the song comes on, you're not skipping those. No. You're not skipping those tracks because no. they're just that good. Even, there's like there's like an instrumental piece that comes in right before Head Over Heels, and mm-hmm. then at the end of Head Over Heels, that instrumental piece comes back. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to the album, it's perfect. You're just not going to yeah. listen to that track individually, probably. Sure, but, but I, I'm if just, you're listening to yeah. it straight through, you're just like, okay, this is an experience. Yeah. And they they perfectly encapsulated everything that they, they wanted to, from becoming like sort of like this dark, like kind of depressing mm-hmm. new wave band to becoming like almost like a progressive pop band. Yeah. Uh, so my 1985 record is Riptide by Robert Palmer. Huh. Um, I don't what Robert I'd, Palmer. He did he? What did he sing? Addicted to Love. Okay, okay, okay. So it, it is technically an, an artist that I do like. Yeah. I do like about. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with Robert Palmer. And it's not a problem. Really. Here's the problem with here's Palmer. The, here's, the, here's the problem. How dare he? For is, one thing. Yeah. How dare? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of his earlier stuff is kind of like new wave. Kind of soulish, mm-hmm. kind of, and and it's great. He's a great vocalist. And stuff. I just can't get into it. Yeah. I cannot get into a, a lot of yeah. his early, early stuff. But when he got with Andy and John from Duran Duran, mm-hmm. boom! Explo- he found he found his niche. He found mm-hmm. it, and um, Andy wrote a lot of the songs on Riptide with Robert Palmer. So it's just a. It feels like a. It almost feels like a, a really heavy Duran Duran record, um, but with this really soulful guy singing it. Yeah. Um, I I love the record. Uh, a lot of people think Heavy Nova is better uh, from a from a, an actual like musician standpoint and everything. But and I love Heavy Nova. I mean, that came out two years later. But nothing beats that original finding his footing as far as music goes mm-hmm. uh, and finding his audience and everything. And I just think it's a great record. I think it's fantastic. Got a lot of covers on it, um, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not bad covers. I think some of the covers are better than the originals, but um, not a lot of original music. But yeah. does, does that album have Addicted to Love on it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it's I'll got like it. the seven minute long version of it, but a lot of people oh, don't know. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It just keeps going. It just keeps going, which is fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. <clears throat> It's that it's that really crunchy guitar solo in it. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so my my nineteen eighty six pick is actually my favorite out of all my picks, and just straight up one of my favorite albums. Uh, and this was tough because, you know, similar to Kate Bush, any of this artist albums from the eighties I could have put on here because mm-hmm. I just love them all. But mm-hmm. I went with the uh, XTC's album Skylarking, which is sort of like their deviation from not not necessarily making like unmarketable music mm-hmm. but really like diving into that hey like we're kind of like the Beatles of the 80s where we can make really really poppy music mm-hmm. one second and then have like some crazy thing happen the next second sure but this album was very consistent the sequencing on this album is amazing like the, the some of the the ways the songs go into other songs is just mm-hmm. perfect and it feels very cohesive it was produced by uh, another really classic songwriter Todd, Todd Rundgren mm-hmm. and uh, apparently the, I've heard of him. The lead I've singer Andy Partridge and Todd just they did not get along, which in result made an maybe their best mm-hmm. album because whenever you have like two like power hungry and uh, just difficult to deal with people like hashing it out, I think you're you're gonna make something kind of brilliant happen here. Uh, th- this album has my 
the, the first song I'd ever heard by XTC, because mm-hmm. I heard it in the movie It from mm-hmm. a few years back, and it's Dear God. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to put the song on the album because they didn't want to like alienate people because it was an anti-religious song. Mm-hmm. But Todd was like, you got to put that song on the album, guys. you got to put it on it's there. Eventually, didn't initially get put on the album. It was released as a single, but this album has different versions. They they re-released the album and put that song on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's probably their biggest song. It's not my favorite song on the album. Uh, just the sequencing... Bef- from the first song, Summer's Cauldron, to the second song, sure. uh, is is amazing. And uh, comparison to the Beatles that I was talking about, a song like Season Cycle, just it feels like the Beatles mm-hmm. without being a, com- a complete ripoff of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because XTC from '77 to '84 uh, were not like anybody; like they just weren't. I didn't know they were a band that long. They weren't. Oh, they've been a band since the mid '70s. Their I last no album, idea. their last album was 2000. Uh, the year 2000 but uh they were they were kind of like they were i guess they were similar to the talking heads to mm-hmm. some extent but but not really that there was really the only comparison you could make yeah but them diving into their pop sensibilities on skylarking mm-hmm. uh really made a really amazing album and mm-hmm. it's it's one of my favorite albums to listen to from beginning to end because it all just works perfectly and seamlessly together cool cool so uh t- speaking of, since we've talked so much about Kate Bush um, my 1986 album is so. Kate Bush's album from 1986, which doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so by it's so, but Peter, Peter Gabriel, yeah, which Peter Gabriel. features Kate Bush. Kate Bush song. Um, she's on uh, "Don't Give Up" with him Don't actually. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's the best Peter Gabriel. It's a good album. album. It's it's, it's a fantastic album. Yeah. album. Uh, again, another toss up between this and and us for for me when it comes to my favorite Peter Gabriel album, but it's it's by far his best like commercially artistically it's him he again another album where found his sound and his footing of where he needed to be at that time um i mean it's a sequencing again going back to the whole it's it's 80s pop in a nutshell yeah but it still has some of those experimental sounds that he that he would use in yeah yeah, in, in uh in some of his songs um, I don't really have a preference of what people would listen to on the record because, again, it's another one of those records where almost every song sounds different, but it's, you know, it's a pop record. Mm-hmm. Um, Sledgehammer, biggest song he ever had on that record. Start There, Red Rain, Don't Give Up, yeah. Voice Again. I mean... It's just a great record. Oh yeah, it's so it's good. A banger. Yeah. What's the first album on? What's the first song on that album? Red Rain. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah that's a great song. Great opener. Yeah. Great song. So great. Bro- so great record. Great record. <laughs> it's so brooding that song. It's, oh yeah. It's kind of yeah. dark. Yeah. yeah. It's very dark. Yeah. And you open an album with that of yeah. all things. Got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. The Kate Bush influence was strong on that yeah. one. I guess it was strong with us as well. With Get dirty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that oh, was that man. a reference to our band. Yes. Our old band. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It, was, it was. It was the. Yeah. It was our. So throwback to Hastings. Sometimes you got to start off an album with a heavy one. You know. You got to. Yeah. Metallica. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> every Metallica every, record. Every Metallica album. Okay. <coughs> so sorry. Moving on to '87. Uh, not particularly passionate about this album. It's just one of those album. One of those years I had to like put in an album. Well, I know what it is. It's not my favorite album by this band what do, you, what do you think it is i don't know okay this is not my favorite this is probably my third favorite album from this band but the other years just didn't line up the way that i wanted them to and it's uh the replacements 
Please to Meet Me album. Still has some still has some great songs on it. Like sure. Alex Chilton, who Alex Chilton was the, the lead singer of the band Big Star, and this is sort of like a, a tribute song to him, and mm-hmm. it's it's one of the replacement's best songs. Mm-hmm. And it's also them sort of like experimenting, which they, they've always experimented a little bit. You know? Sure. They, you can make the case that the replacements like invented indie rock to some extent. Uh, but a song like Nightclub Jitters just has a really like smooth jazz mm-hmm. influence to it, which is, is crazy because they are not that band. They are not a smooth jazz mm-hmm. band. And a song like The Ledge is, is one of their, I'm not going to say it's one of their heaviest songs, but mm-hmm. easily one of their, their darkest songs. Um, pretty good album. Not mm-hmm. my favorite replacement album, but, for, but given what we had to do today, it's my album, it's my <laughs> album from, 19, from 1987. <laughs> well, my album for 1987 is... Uh, one of those duh albums. Like as soon as as soon as we got this topic, yeah. as soon as we got this topic, I knew that I was the, I know, I the first record. Is. Go ahead. What? It's it's definitely it's definitely Joshua Tree. You're okay, right. By you it is Joshua Tree. I thought YouTube. about it on mine. I was like, I, I can't. I can't do. It. <laughs> I can't. You couldn't justify it. I just you couldn't I feel, justify. I feel like it. I, I just wouldn't be able to talk about it the way that I want to talk about it. And I figured I'd leave that to you. Um, yeah. I mean, this album was you two being. The U2 that we know today. Obnoxious, pompous, arrogant. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kind of like that new age kind of U2 kind of vibe where like, you know, in the early 80s, they were like more of like a... They're almost a punk band. Yeah, the there's 80s. a lot of like, a lot of like yeah. angsty, like, yeah. like bass heavy. Yes, uh, very much. But, yeah. but this, this like, was a turning point. This was like a, go- this is almost like a gospel record at some points. It <laughs> really is. is. This has one the, on it, right? Yeah, it, no, Octane Baby's got one on it. This has Where the Streets Have No Name. Okay, Where the Street Has No um, Name. Yeah. I still haven't found what I'm looking yeah, for, okay, yeah. which is literally okay. a gospel yeah, song. Yeah, it's almost like a contemporary uh, Christian. It, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah. then you get to songs like Exit at the end of the record, and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh my God! These guys are like wanting to go out and kill a bunch of people. Is what it's it's typical typical, typical Bono. Bono. And then is it the Edge or Edge? The Edge and the Edge. Um, but it's it's without question. It's the the album that made them a household name. Yeah, I'm saying um, so. And I was lucky enough to not I'm not like bragging or anything, but I was lucky enough to see this album like played mm. in its entirety it was, live. You saw it while it was being recorded in '87. In '87, that's in right. Time. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but got to see them play this whole record live, and it's U two. I will always say is a better live band than they are a studio band, mm-hmm. just because. Yeah, I would say it, so. There, yeah. it's the it's the emotion and the energy they yeah. put into a performance. It's the same way with Kiss. I hate to say that, but yeah. Kiss is a better live band than yeah. they are an album band. Yeah, and the album just transcends yeah. whenever it's seen live, mm-hmm. and I wish they would have released. Uh, a live album of that tour. But, yeah. So, Where the Streets Have No Name is amazing. Trip Through Your Wires is amazing. And then Exit is just brooding, nasty. Love that freaking song. I love that song so much. But Nasty. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> okay. Nasty. Well, are we, on, are we on 88 We are on 88. We've okay, got now we're getting, four left. Now we're getting into the typical Caleb bullcrap here. Oh, God. Typical Caleb. Billy Joel. Because we are the nylon curtain. We are slowly approaching the 90s, which, as we all know, is the greatest decade for music. But, you know, there were a couple precursors that came, and this was one of them. I, I, I had to have one shoegaze album on here. Oh, like, my God. I knew it. And this was like... The first shoecase album, and uh, it's uh, my bloody Valentine's debut album, uh, isn't any, anything. Uh, honestly, like at times, isn't it? It's a hard album to listen to because it's it's way more experimental than their other mm-hmm. albums, which is crazy because their other two albums are very experimental. Yeah, 
but at times this album is just like, oh my god, this this might be too much for me. Mm-hmm. But there are some really accessible, like standard shoegaze sort of like dream pop songs, like "Lose My Breath," "Nothing Much to Lose," and a "I Can See It But I Can't Feel It." Mm-hmm. These songs are songs that, if people was getting into My Bloody Valentine, say, okay, these these are these are standard kind of like indie rock songs. They're not even that much shoegaze. Mm-hmm. But then you got a song like "No More Sorry." Whenever I first got into this album, I was working night shift at the movie theater. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into this album by myself because I worked alone. And I'm going to listen to this album with headphones on. And uh, That was a mistake, wasn't it? So this it? song like, like, like ruined me for like a week. <laughs> like, I was very scared working in that theater alone. Because this song just has, it just has this eerie element to it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure that the song is about domestic violence. And you feel that while listening to this Ooh. song. And uh, there's no drums. Uh-huh. And it's just like weird like tremolo picking guitars mm-hmm. and like very like somber lyrics and mm-hmm. vocals but just listen to that by yourself in the middle of the night like alone it's just like oh my god <laughs> i gotta get out of here but yeah I, I do like the album uh their next album loveless was definitely where they became my bloody valentine mm-hmm. but uh as a debut album and sort of like starting like that shoegaze uh brit wave mm-hmm. in the early 90s this was you got you got to you got to count this album as being like kind of the first one. Sure, yeah, sure. I love the the artists that can that can take drums out of a song like you were talking about. Yeah, there's no the drums in the song at all. It's, yeah. like when you can make your your string instruments have the rhythm in the in the yeah. in your song. I love that. That's just oh, yeah. personal preference. Yeah. Um, 1988 for me. Uh, again, an album we will not have to talk about very much. Bad by Michael Jackson. That's right. How'd you know? Is it? No. Would that come out in 88? I don't know. 87 or 88. Maybe something, somewhere around there. I think it might have been 87. It's a good album. <laughs> yeah. It's Injustice for All by Metallica. Oh, yeah, them. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. You forgot about that? How did you forget? I'm not, I'm not the biggest Metallica fan, but that is probably my favorite Metallica album. Really? Yeah. I th- really? Injustice for All? Dude, yeah. Inju- the, the, the title track, uh, it, does that have Blackened on it? Yes. Blackened and... That's what kicks off the... And One are great. Like, yeah, that's great true. metal songs. I love yep. those songs, yeah. And then you have like Dyer's Eve at the end, and it's just insane the only thing bad about the album is that the songs are too long and there's no bass <laughs> yeah well that's a thing that's, <laughs> that like that sucks that kind of sucks it, it really does yeah uh, go listen to and justice for jason on on youtube and it's that's the album yeah. the way it should have been but you know maybe they maybe they, maybe they could shorten the songs to <laughs> no, that, you're, you're songs. thinking you're thinking of uh uh saint anger and saint anger has some long songs on it too it's 79 minutes of just repetitive oh, yeah. riffs no, no i can't listen to that no. yeah i mm, but yeah, Shortest Straw, Dyer's Eve, Blackened. It's hard, it's heavy, it's metal in the face because you can't say metal up your yeah on our podcast, unfortunately, since we're a family-friendly podcast. Sure, sure we're a family-friendly podcast. Sure. But all the families want to listen to us talk about these very niche co- uh, subjects. <laughs> I mean, they could. They could, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Parents, make sure you have your uh, your children listen to us. It's fine. All right, you done? Are you done with uh, Metallica? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, okay. Uh, one more. Last one. Last 89. one. Eighty-nine. Some, some more typical Caleb stuff here, but oh. you know, uh, uh, I got. I had to. They had. They actually had kind of three albums there in the late eighties, uh, but this was the one that I consistently stuck with, and that is Pixies' Doolittle album. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I got into Pixies. I don't want to say I got into Pixies then, but I, I was I was welcome to the to Pixies mm-hmm. 
from a video game called NCAA Football 2006. So I don't know who con- <laughs> I don't know who controlled that game. Who ha- who who did you get I, this game I, from? I, I got it. I got it from our friend Matt Fry. <laughs> Uh, he gave it to me, and I only wanted it for the soundtrack. I don't know who had control of that soundtrack, but they put nothing but like '80s, '90s punk rock and indie rock, which made no sense. But sure. it got me into so many bands because Lush was on there, and uh, Bad Religion and No Effects was on there. But Pixies had a song on there called "Debaser," and "Debaser" is one of the biggest songs. It's the mm-hmm. opening track on Doolittle, and uh, I always liked the song, but I never really got into the album mm-hmm. until maybe like my late teens, early twenties. And, uh, you know, obviously the, this album doesn't have, like, their biggest song, which is what, uh, Where's My Mind? It doesn't have that song on it, yeah. but it has uh, the baser wave of mutilation and uh, another really, really big song, uh, uh, Hey? Yeah, Hey. I was hey. trying to think of this other song. What's it called? Hey. Uh, hey. What's the song called? Oh, gosh. And I feel so okay. stupid. Forgive me. Forgive me, Pixies people. But there's so many there, there's so many just little short little ditties on this album. We have so many Pixies fans listening to this podcast right Pixies now. Pixies are, I mean, they're one of the most influential bands of all time. I'm not taking anything without away Pixies, from them. Without Pixies, there's really no 90s indie rock. And I know he, I know you're not a fan. Without Pixies, there is no Nirvana. There's none. Which yeah, you probably, we'll talk, you about, probably we'll talk will, about Nirvana. Which you probably welcome. But uh, yeah, I, I love this album. Uh, I would say it's my favorite Pixies album. Uh, and I think it's... A lot of people consider it the greatest indie rock album. If you want to consider it an indie rock album, it was sort of a precursor, more of just an all a weird alternative rock album. Sure. Super great. Love it. What's your last one? Well, we're going to end on a dud. Oh, gosh. A dud. <sighs> Sensual World by Kate Bush. You're right. God, how did I not know that? No. My 1989 album is Hot in the Shade by Kiss. I was waiting for it. I was, I was you knew gonna, Kiss was, was going to make it here somewhere. I was going to ask somewhere. you last, like a couple, a couple uh, years ago, like by like eighty seven. I was going like, "Where's the Kiss? Where's is there no Kiss albums on here?" Well, there. <laughs> see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. All of the records that come out in the eighties for Kiss, I liked, but I like these other records more. Okay, okay. But I didn't have a nineteen eighty nine album. And I want to throw a Kiss album on here, and I legitimately Where's, do love this album. No, no, no T Swift. Shut up, Caleb. Jesus Christ. I got a bone to pick. You continue, but I got a slight got a bone, bone to pick with 1989, the album by Taylor Swift, after we get done. Okay. After we get done. Okay. Continue with Kiss. So, Hot in the Shade by Kiss is essentially an album of demos. Oh. But it's not demos. Let me, let me, let me so, backstory, real fast. Kiss was broke in 1989. Like, they were just, they had, like, little to no money. So, they took all of their demo tapes, took them into the studio... And just overdubbed the, the the demo tapes pretty much, mm-hmm. and they got like a sixteen song album out of it. And some of the songs on this album are garbage. I about said something else. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are garbage. Gene's songs on this on this record is not good, mm-hmm. but Paul's songs on this on this on this record is fantastic. And I'm mad that they never play any of live. Um, but it had Forever on it as well, which was uh, their highest charting song since Beth in. Uh, 76. Mm-hmm. So, even though it is an album of demos, it does have probably their second biggest song of all time on it. Um, love the record. Uh, Paul's songs anyway. Gene's songs are okay, like I said. Some of them aren't good at all. Uh, but King of Hearts, Silver Spoon, You Love Me, I Hate You. Those three songs, absolutely just kick butt songs as far as Kiss songs go. And I think mm-hmm. that those should be still in their set list for the end of the road tour, but, you know, who Get it I? together, guys. Get it together. Stop. Come on. Stop playing rock and roll all night. Okay.
Yeah, I agree. That's never going to happen. Stop but. it. <laughs> so, yes, Haunt in the Shade, uh, 1989. That's my 10. Yeah. That's your 10. Now, what's your bone to pick oh, with yeah. 1989? Just very quick. You know, 1989 uh, beat To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar at the Grammys. And if you look at any, if you look at any album, any list that that lists like the greatest albums of all time, you know what album you're never gonna find on that list? You're never gonna find 1989 by Taylor Swift. But you know what you're gonna consistently see? You're gonna see "To Pimp a Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar. And I'm still I'm still bitter about it. 89, 1989 is a fine album. "To Pimp a Butterfly" is an all time great. That's my that was my Kanye moment there. <laughs> Apparently you had a good one there, didn't you? <laughs> okay. Well, Caleb, so that is our. Are you drawn today? It's our. Yeah, it's my draw. Okay, I couldn't remember. You had you had eighties last time. Okay, or you yeah, picked yeah, the eighties, yeah. okay. or at least that's what the format. You better says. draw a good one. God, I hope I do. Jesus. That's our eighties. I hope you all liked our eighties albums. They were. Yeah, go we, check. I think go check was, some of them out. I think it was they're, unique they're enough. Good. They're pretty good. Oh, okay. So oh, this no, redraw. <laughs> I don't even know what it I is. I believe this was another um, Erica topic. I believe. Oh no! What is it? Um, so next week uh-huh. we're, we're going to be talking about <laughs> banned books. Oh, banned books! Banned, like, like stuff banned, that have like been banned. Banned books, like books that have oh been gosh. have been banned. So we oh got no. a lot of research to talk about next oh no. week. I'm going to be. I'm. I'm not going to be very helpful. I'm not going to be very helpful either. Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll, have to bring her on. Maybe we'll. Yeah, maybe we'll contact Erica and, and have her. You know, maybe. we can throw Nancy on too since she reads a lot of books. And you know, stuff, we'll, so. we'll hand the mics over to someone who knows better. Yeah, we'll just we'll maybe. just MC that one. Yeah, How about we'll just that? MC it. <laughs> well, folks, so I hope you've enjoyed the '80s records. Next week, we're going to talk about band. Band books. Add <laughs> some extra syllables in there. <laughs> well, it's the accent. I can't help it. Not band as in what we just talked about. Band. Some band. band. Some band books. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for thank you for listening to Chat from a Hat. I'm Josh Brown and I'm Caleb Luther. And we will talk to you next week about banned books. 